Shall we pray together for the minister of the word? Today we are privileged to have a brother Fidel Lito uh, sharing with us the word of God. And I would just like us to pray together and then we give him the opportunity to share with us. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we are very grateful to you for this very special opportunity that you have given us to hear your word and for your servant that you have prepared this morning to minister to us. We lift him to you and ask, Father, you have been, who has been with our brother, that you minister to him and his family in a very special way and especially this hour, Jehovah, anoint him for your word and use him as your vessel, my Father, to communicate the very oracles of your word, of what you desire of us to hear this morning. We give him to you and give the word to you and pray you take over as you minister to us because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless amen, you. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord in this morning. And uh, let us prepare ourselves to... Uh, to hear the word of God. Today is a beautiful day, and uh, I just wanted to uh, encourage you. And the Bible advises us to be strong and to be courageous, especially uh, as this weather continue. Uh, but we know that uh, we are almost there. <laughs> let us keep the faith and let us keep the hope that as this winter came, it also will pass away. Let us continue just going through. And as well as we do in our lives also, uh, the same thing, uh, the obstacles or difficulties of life come, they will pass also with the help of God. It doesn't matter how tough is the situation. Thank God that in Christ we have the victory. His success has become our success. His victory has become our victory. Amen. So let us rejoice in the name of the Lord. Let us rejoice. Let us take strength in his joy and let us trust in his name. Let us now open the Bible in this morning. We're going to be reading five verses in the Bible in the book of Revelation. My wife read it already this morning, but let us open it and read it again for our own benefit. Amen? And uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 11 to verse 15, five verses. This chapter divides itself, or it has been divided in three paragraphs. The first one speaks about a thousand years, the millennial. And the second one speaks... Uh, about uh, the binding of Satan and putting him in the depth of the abyss and casting him into the lake of fire. 
And the verses that we will be reading speak to us about the judgment of the dead. And this is happening in the presence of God. So let us begin reading from chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. Amen? Amen. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the dead and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then the dead and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second dead. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Amen. May God bless our souls through His Word in this morning. When I read this passage of the Bible, it reminds me of the story of uh, Joseph and his brothers. By the way, that was the message that I spoke about the last time that I was standing here. It reminds me of that encounter that Joseph and his brother had in that day in which he knew that those people kneeling and crying with fear before him were his brothers, and they did not recognize him due to the circumstances of life present in that moment. But one thing we learn from that passage and this in Apocalypse or Revelation is that their brothers, the brothers of Joseph, were trembling with fear because they found themselves in a very difficult situation and they didn't know what was going to be the outcome of their experience in front of their brother who they didn't know at the moment that was their brother. And so the Bible told us in that story that Joseph spoke to all of those presents at that moment and he told them to get out of his presence and he was left alone just with his brothers and then he revealed himself to them. They were trembling, but he called them and he says, come close to me. And he started hugging them one by one. Our circumstances in this paragraph 
are similar to that. This was a vision that the Apostle John received from God. In the beginning of the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us that God gave this vision. Christ sent an angel to the Apostle John to reveal these things that were to happen. And at the beginning of this chapter 20, we see that the Apostle John speaks about an angel that came down from heaven with authority, with a key, and with a chain to bind the enemy, the authority given from God. And the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, at one given moment, he expresses that he wanted to worship the angel. But the angel told him, do not do that because I am just a servant as you are to our Lord. So in this vision, John sees a white throne. He says, I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. This vision represents what will happen in the last day, the day that humanity will fear, but not the sons of God. We could say that today, our present time, it is a good day. We are living in our present in a good time. And we are to be thankful to God for this opportunity. Because God is still knocking to our door. He is still calling us by name. He is still inviting us to come in and to let Him come in our lives. So that He may dine with us and we together with Him. But the circumstances of this... Vision tells us that this white throne represents the holiness of God. It was a great throne, but the one sitting on it was greater than the throne, was holier than the throne, because he has received the authority from his Father to judge all the nations of the world. So John sees the great throne and we understand that this who was sitting on it was no other than the Son of God that we also know in the Bible as the Son of Man because He is the one that only could intercede between men and God. He is God Himself. There is no uh, excuse, there is nothing that can refute that He is God Himself and now He is seated at the throne. Here we have in front of us the Lamb that was slain in order to take away the sins of the world and the Bible says that He has been given a precious name and His name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so what happened over here is that he is seated at the throne, ready to exercise what he has given, what he has received from his father, the authority to rule over all the nations. 
The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. This indicate, indicates to us the fear or the reverence that the heavens and the earth demonstrated upon the presence of him who was sitting, sitting on the throne. We know that the heavens tell us of the glory of God. We know that the earth was created and all that is in it for the glory of God. And it reminds us that He, God Himself, who is a Spirit, one day became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what the book of John tells us. That the light of this world came to dwell among men. But their deeds were so evil that they rejected the light and they embraced the darkness because they were doing wrong all the time. The book of Romans tells us that God has revealed to us through His creation. We are called to worship the Creator, not the creation, but men being blinded by the enemy decides to reject the Creator and He worships the creation. And man rejects the light and man embraces the darkness. And again, Paul says, we are all fallen from the glory of God. There is no one better than another. We have all fallen. But God is calling us to repentance. God is calling us to believe in His Son. God is calling us to accept His grace. Today is the time. Today is the time. The book of Revelation affirms to us that when the, the end time comes, we all will be judged. We all will be judged. But there is, there will not, there will be no hope for the evildoers. And if the people of God will be judged, they will be judged, but not at the level of those that haven't trust God. We will be judged according to our works, but not to be condemned, but to be rewarded according to what we have done in the name of the Lord. Because we know that our works cannot save us, but there will be reward to each one of us according to we have done here on earth. So we see that the Apostle John says that the heavens and the earth fled away from the presence of him who was seated at the throne. This is a terrible moment, a terrible time in which those who are not prepared to see the face of the Lord will be trembling with fear. Verse number 12 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. So this is the final day. 
This is the final moment. And the apostle John had the opportunity to see the multitudes, all the dead standing before the throne, before the presence of he who was seated in this throne, the white throne. And they were dead spiritually. They were dead in their sins and their transgressions. And there was no difference between great and small because now they are all here facing the judge. Now here they are in the presence of him who has given their life, his life to save those who believe in him. But these people standing here have rejected him when they were given the opportunity to accept him. They were dead, they were great, they were small, they were rich, they were poor, they were ignorant, and they were wise people according to the human acknowledge. They were powerful and they were people that were simple people. They were all kinds of people that exercised many different traits in life. But what they had it in common is that they have neglected the opportunity to hear the voice of God, to hear the calling of God. They have rejected the light. And now here they are standing. The, the book of Revelation says that people even after God has cursed them, after God has punished them, they still recognize that it's God acting, but they did not repent. From their evil doing. And this time of judgment, of judgment is coming. And the Bible testified to us. That God has already exercised his judgment upon humanity. In the history of humanity. We see that the first judgment that God exercised upon men. Was sending the flood. Because, he says, the evilness of the heart of men. So, God sent the flood to destroy all the human race except Noah and his family. So, then the Bible goes on and it says that God also exercises his judgment, his authority upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sent fire from the heaven that destroyed these cities. Leaving just those who he saw that they were righteous in his eyes. So there is no doubt that the moment will come again in which all the dead will be standing before the presence of God. And there will be no excuse. No one will be able to say, I didn't know. No one will be able to say, nobody told me, or it's not my fault, or I didn't do that, or the devil made me do it. In this day, there will be no escape, no excuse. It will be too late to say, Lord, give me another chance, because the Lord has given us 
time for us to repent ourselves and to trust in Him. In fact, the Bible says that He doesn't delay His coming, but He is giving us enough time so that we may come to repentance. And the Bible says how beautiful it is. There is joy in heavens when one sinner comes to repentance. There is joy among the angels when one soul recognizes that he is a sinful person and gives his life to Christ. And the Bible said that the books were open. And the dead were judged according to what they have done, has recorded in these books. We know that we like to read books. And in the history of humanity, there are books that are important for us. One of the first books that is important for us, basic book, is a book that teaches how to read, books that teach us how to write, books that teach us how to design. There are books in which our names are written down as we are born into this world. There are books of all kinds. There are books that teach humans how to defend themselves, books of war, there are books of politics, there are books of science, there are books that defend the rights of men, that defend the rights of women, there are books that defend the rights of those that cannot defend themselves, there are books of religions, there are books for every sort of desire of learning. And then we have the book of books that we know that is the Bible, in which it appears to us that in this book we found the eternal life. And this is the book, Christ says, that it testified of Him, the Lamb of the world. The Bible is the book that we relate to. There are other people that are interested in reading and learning from other books, but the book... Uh, the Bible, the books of books, is the books of our priority and interest. Because in Him, in this book, we find the truth, we find the eternal life, and we find the direction and the advice from God. This is the book that we need to know. This is the book. But these books that were open at this moment have nothing to do with the Bible. Some think that part of this book actually, that part of these books, the Bible will be there because the Bible will prove that they were disobedient to His Word. And they will be judged for what they disobeyed to. But the Bible says that in this book were the records of the works of all those standing before the presence of God. They were judged according to those things that they did. Their works, it didn't matter how many works, how many things they did, but all the sum of these works were used against themselves. There was not even one righteous good that was enough to save them. There was not even 
one good action that could spoke in their favor because all that the books recorded was evidence against those standing in his presence. This day will come. And thank God for the faith that he has given us. Thank God for the grace that we have received. Thank God for the justification that we have in Christ. Thank God for the hope that we have in Him. Thank God for His love. And because we have accepted and understood the way He loves and cares for us. That's why we are here. That's why we are here to worship Him. That's why we are here. Because we understand that we are sick. That we are sinful. That we are evil. And that we are in need of Him. We cannot be saved in our own. We cannot be saved by words. Only by the grace of God. All the things that they did were recorded. And none of them was useful for them. In fact, it was for their shame and for their condemnation. For their condemnation. And uh, this moment over here is different from the moment, like I say at the beginning, in which the righteous will be judged for his work. Because the Bible says that we will be called in the presence of Christ, and he will judge all our works, but with the purpose of giving the reward according to what we have done. And it says that if our works our works will be tested as by fire. And maybe our works were not so great. Maybe we were not eminent in doing great works. But if we are found in that moment in which the sons of God are being judged, the Bible says that we will be saved even though as through fire. Amen? Amen? But at this point, it is too late. It is too late to say, Lord, what can I do now to be saved? What can I do now to have a second opportunity? The time is gone. The opportunities are closed. The door is closed. Like it was closed when the flood came. The ark, the door of the ark was closed and there was no more opportunity. Here no one can say, Lord, let me go visit now the ones that are sick. Let me visit now the ones that are in jail. Let me help the poor. Let me give a glass of water to your children. It will be too late. It will be too late. Christ said it in his ministry. If you have done one of these things to my little children, to me, you have done it. If we have offered a glass of water to one of God's servants, to him we have done it. And he will say, welcome into the joy of the Lord. But here, in this paragraph, it is too late. It is too late. It is too late. No one will be able to say, Lord, are you hungry? Can we still get you something? Can we still get something for those that are hungry in the world? It is too late. So, the days were judged according to what they had done, recorded 
in the books. In the verse 12, also says that another book was opened, which is the book of life to which I will be making reference at the end. But the verse 13 says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the dead in Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they have done. Then dead and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. So here we see, obviously, in our mind, we say, once we die, we die. But the Bible has good news for us. And bad news for those that don't believe in Him. Because the Bible give us evidence that after we die, we still exist. People think that after we die, everything finished, and we have not, not to render account of our actions anymore. But the Bible speaks clearly in so many passages, teaching us that after we die, it is necessary that we die, but then is the judgment. After we die, judgment comes. So these in front of the, of the white throne were dead, yet they were standing in the presence of God. They still were alive. And the Bible teaches that those who believe in Christ, even if they are dead, they still will live forever and ever because we have eternal life in Him. So they were standing before the presence of the one who was sitting on the throne. And it says that the sea gave up all the deaths that were in it. And so the interpretation of this sea, uh, some refer that it is actually the sea itself that is giving all the people that die in it. And at the same time, because the word sea represents multitudes, it is referring to all humankind and those who have died, they are raised up once again to life. The, the humanity gives up all his dead. And so also the grave and Hades. They give up all those that were buried. Remember that no one on this earth was capable apart from Christ to conquer death. Only our Savior, only our Lord was able to conquer death and the grave. He put to shame the grave. He put to shame the devil. He put to shame Hades. He put to shame death itself. Because he has the authority to lay his life and to take it back again. Even those that he resurrected in his time upon the earth. The Bible says that they died again. But he died and resurrected and lived forever. And people will be faced with this reality that they didn't want to hear as they were on the earth. Thank God that He has given us grace and we have received from Him the opportunity to hear the gospel because by the gospel we have believed in Him. And we have accepted it and confessed with our mouth that He is our Savior and that He has forgiven our sins. But these people, for what we see, have totally 
rejected him. They were given the chance, and now they have no excuse. And the Bible continues by saying, these were dead, but now they are going to pass, or they will go through the second death, which will be much different than the one that we all experience here on earth. They were spiritually dead. They were dead in their transgression. And now they will be condemned forever and forever. Those who were there standing in the presence of him who was sitting on the throne. Were judged and they were thrown in the lake of fire. There it will be useless to be a professional swimmer. And one could very much love the lakes of this world, but this lake no one will be able to resist. It's a horrible place the Bible described. And it gives us the evidence according to this scripture and many more that this is a place of eternal torment. A place where no one wants to find themselves cast in. It's not like people say, we hear them saying, has an excuse. If my friends are going to be there in that place, I don't mind being there. But this is not a place to be. This is not a place where you will find joy. This is a place of affliction and torment forever and ever. It has no ending. And again, it's not going to be something to say there is no more existence. We have passages in the Bible that refer to this place as an eternal and forever torment in which God is screaming to us. And that's right, he sent the prophets. And that's right, they wrote the Bible. And that's right, he sent his son, his only begotten son, for us to accept and to believe in his word and in his sacrifice, that we may not end up in such a place. They were cast into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire, or the lake of fire, is the second dead. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Anyone who was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The whole paragraph speaks about the final judgment for the unbeliever. For the evildoers. But John introduces here a new book that it gives hope for those whose names are written in this book that is called the book of life. This is the book that is called the book of the Lamb. This is what Christ was making reference to when he says to his disciples, Do not rejoice because the demons... Listen to your voice when you cast them out. 
But rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. In the book of life. In the book of the Lamb of God. This is what Moses was making reference when he prayed to God in one moment when God was about to destroy his people. And God told him, remove my name from your book. If you are about to do this, Moses was praying to God, remove my name from there. This is what David made reference to when he was praying one occasion and he says, Lord, remove the name of your enemies from the book of life. And this is what Revelation makes reference to when the Bible says that if anyone adds or take away from this revelation, God also will Remove his name from the book of life. So it is not our responsibility to say, Lord, remove my name from that book. It is not my responsibility or our responsibility to say, remove the name of my enemies. And it is not our duty to remove parts of this revelation, neither to add to this revelation. But the promise of God is that He will not remove our names that are written in this book of life. We have the promise of God. We have the promise of God. We have His Word. This is not the Word of a man. This is the Word of our faithful God. That if we are unfaithful, He remains faithful to us. That if we sin against Him, He's always willing to forgive us and to heal our souls. He's the one that cares for us. And how beautiful it is. This book or these books were not written by any man. These books do not contain the philosophy of the world. These books are not books that contain the politics of this world. These books contain the work of each man and the reward that each man will receive. And the book of life. The book of life contains just the names of those who God loves. And He is loved back by them who have received His grace. Remember, all the works of the evildoers stood against them. Yet, in the book of life, there were only names. That was the only thing. Whoever was not found in this book was cast in the lake of fire. What a glorious book this is that the Bible speaks about. And what a glorious hope and promise that we have that the Bible says that this book, these names, were written before the foundation of the world. They are written there. And God is not in the business of erasing names. He's in the business of protecting the people that He loves. He's in the business of finding the one that is lost. He's in the business of giving us eternal life. So let us profit in the times that we are living of the calling that God is making for us. And let us be grateful that He has loved us 
with so much love that he didn't spare the life of his, of his son in order to save our lives. So anyone who wasn't found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Anyone. Thank God that we have the promise. In the lake of fire, the Bible says that was also thrown Satan, who is the old serpent and the devil. In the lake of fire was also thrown the beast and the false prophet. What does he refer to it, all of this? Number one, that Satan is the one that has deceived the nations. In the book of Genesis, we find that Satan is introduced and he deceives the woman. And by his deception, death come to the human race. But in the book of Revelation, we find a redemption. We find that the serpent that had deceived now is cast into the lake of fire. And we find that the last enemy, which is dead, is overthrown, is thrown in the lake of fire. And the beast, which represent the false religions of all ages, all those who believe in false religion, they lost it. And the false prophet, which it indicates not only in the last times, in the, in the end times, but all through human history, there has been false religion, the influence, the influence of Satan, and the false prophet, always false teacher, teaching against the will of God. But what does it say the Bible at this point? That they were all thrown into the lake of fire. And finally, all the evildoers, those who were not found in the book of life, were thrown into this lake of fire. But thank God, thank God, that our names, those who believe in Him, are written in this glorious book. And we have no reason to boast ourselves, to glory ourselves by saying, my name is there because you are better than other. Because we did better than others. Because the Bible teaches us that we are not saved by works, but by faith and by grace. And it's not of Him who runs the race, but of Him who God has mercy. Thank God that it's not because of our own strength and our own wisdom and our own choices, but because God has selected us before the foundation of the world and He has called us to repentance. And because we have not denied the cross of our Lord and His suffering, and so we are called to suffer with Him. So that we may rejoice with Him. We are called to not be ashamed for the name of the Lord. So that He will not be ashamed of us in that day. Thank God for this hope. Thank God for this hope. Because if our name is written in this book of life. 
It is because it has pleased to him to write it down. It is because he knew who we were going to be and what we were to accept and to reject. And thank God because the Bible explains to us that faith, grace, justification, redemption, forgiveness comes from him. Loves come from him. Salvation, salvation belongs to the Lord. The Bible say that the death of his child, his children, is precious to him. But he is sad when the wicked die because he knows what they will be facing. Let us give thanks to our Lord and leave all up to him. Let us just exercise, exercise our faith in Him, our trust in Him, because we all go through difficulties, but He is with us. We go through pain, but He is with us. We go through moments of suffering and trials, and we cry, and we go through our own tribulation here, but He is with us. He has promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. If we go through the water, He will be with us. If we go through the fire, He will be with us. Thank God that the hope of the righteous, the hope of the righteous is not the lake of fire, but paradise. That's why Christ says, I am going. I am leaving you. I am going to the House of my father. Because in my father's house there are many rooms. Otherwise I wouldn't tell you. But I am leaving. Because I am going to prepare a place for you. Because where I want. Where I, where I will be. I want you to be with me. That's the desire of the Lord. That's the desire of the Lord for us. His children. This is the promise for us. He not only has written our names in the book of life, but He has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. This is the place that Abraham was looking for. This is the place that Paul was looking for. This is the place that John was looking for. This is the place that all the saints of the Lord were looking for. A place of rest It's enough suffering here on earth. God is calling us to rest with Him. To trust Him. To enter in His grace. To enter in His rest. The rest of the Lord. And so we have more than enough reasons to say thank you Lord. It is not by my works, but by your grace. That I have faith that my name is written in the book of life. What a glorious book. What a glorious hope. Protected by the creator of the universe. Who could escape from his hand? Who could hurt those that he protects? He says that we are protected by the arms of God and by the hands of Christ. So today... It's a good day. Our present is a good present. Because our trust is in, in Him who is seated 
on this white throne. And again, I finish by saying and repeating that one will be the judgment for the evildoers and one will be the judgment for the sons of God. So we have no fear because he has paid the price and we accepted his ransom. He shed his blood and he bought, the Bible says, men from all tribes and tongues and nations. So the price that he paid was not in vain. And we have the assurance that in that day, that final day, God will not repay us with vengeance and judgment. Why? I will tell you why. Because Christ paid it all. We will not repay it again. He paid the price. And God knows. How did He pay the price? You know, you know, I know, we all know. That when He died at the cross, He carried with all our transgressions. He carried with all our disobedience. He took are dead. He took our position and he died for us. So in that day, it will be a blessing to be called by the voice of God. The Bible says, the day will come when the dead will hear his voice. Those who did wrong will be resurrected for condemnation. But those who did right, will be resurrected for eternal life. Christ says, there was a rich man, which is called the foolish man, in the Bible. This man, wasted his whole life, pursuing the richness of this world. He wanted to become rich and he, he succeeded at becoming rich. So much that he didn't have any more space where to put his wealth. What did he say to himself? What am I going to do? He says, I know what am I going to do. I am going to make a bigger space or bigger storage to put all my wealth. And I am ready to enjoy my life. He says, I am ready to eat, I am ready to drink, I am ready to travel, I am ready to party every day. I am ready to face the circumstances of life. And Christ says that at that night, He says, foolish, tonight you are being called. You are going to die tonight. And all that you have, who it will be for? Thank God that we have followed the advice of Christ. Our treasures are stored in heaven. Our efforts are not for our own selfish interests. We are living day by day in our struggle and our weakness under the obedience and submission of Christ. If we live... We live for Christ. If we die, we die for Christ. 
If we are alive or if we are dead, we are dead or alive for Him. Because He died and resurrected to be Lord of the dead and of the living. So we belong to Him. That is our assurance. Amen. So may the Lord bless you. I will ask you to stand up and let us pray. Let us pray with gratefulness in our heart, with the hope that He who start, who has started the, the good work in us is more than able to finish it. Because nothing is impossible for Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You greatly, O oh Father. Because You are God, the Creator of the universe. And all that exists spiritually and materially, O oh God. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Christ. We thank You for loving us so much that You were willing to die for us sinners. You paid the price at the cross. You died with your arms open to receive those who you call, who you have elected, who you have called into your grace and by your mercies, O oh Father. We thank you because we have identified ourselves with your voice. We have heard your voice because you have called us and we have come to you. To the protections of your arms, O oh God. To the protections of your arms, O oh Christ. To the protections of your arms, O oh Savior. We thank you. We have accepted your forgiveness. We have accepted your perfect sacrifice. And so now, we declare ourselves with peace in God. Because we have been justified. Justified by grace. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have cast down our sins. You have cast into the sea this, the sin of the world. You have, Father, acquired victory over death and the enemy of our souls, O oh Father. You are the truth. You are the way. You are the living bread.
Pray, you are the living water. You are the resurrection. 